0: If you brought your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you have, turn with me to 1 Timothy. Uh, I've just got a few thoughts for you this morning. Uh, I plan to keep it short and sweet and to the point. Uh, and so anyways, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, I want you to notice that uh, as we look through this, that, uh, you see that reoccurring uh, chapter 3 and verse 16. So many books of the Bible is an important verse. Of course, the Christmas program that the kids uh, shared with us is, you know, about Christmas. What I'm going to preach to you about this morning is about Christmas. Uh, you all know that next Sunday uh, is Christmas. And so anyways, um, uh, I guess this is as good a time as any to make an announcement. And I'll What I wanted to mention is next Sunday, it's Christmas. We're having service Christmas morning. We're not having Sunday school, but we're having regular worship service 1045. Now, if you've been watching the weather, you know that there's bad weather in the forecast, and you know it's supposed to be cold. And if it snows, it's not going to melt off before Christmas. But listen to me: you do not have to get up next Sunday morning and wonder if we're going to have church. We are going to have church. I know we. If the, if the parking lot is iced over, we cut ca- we cancel. That's kind of our rule of thumb. If it's iced over or hard packed. Snow where the parking lot just too slick to walk on, we cancel. Otherwise, we have church. But I'm telling you, because it is Christmas, we will have church, even if it's only me and five people here. And I think we'll do better than that. Even if there's a, even if Jennifer's wish, even if she gets her Christmas wish, and there's a foot of snow out there, we will, we will have service. Okay. Uh, so, and I don't want anybody to get out and get hurt. Okay. But if you but if you want to come out and you feel comfortable coming out, we will be here, 1045, uh, for our worship service. No Sunday school, but we will have church next Sunday. I just cannot imagine. And I know there's churches that will cancel and things like that. They always do. But I cannot imagine not having church on Christmas. I mean, here it is. It, it's hitting on a Sunday. I, I mean... It is the birth of Christ. I mean, it's why we do what we do. It is the greatest event in all of history. Let, let me read to you my scripture here before I get started preaching. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. There's a lot packed into that verse. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you one more time here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for, the, uh, for the, all the blessings you poured out on us. We thank you, Lord, for the roof you put over our head, the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to gather here. We thank you, Lord, for each one who's come out this morning. Uh, Lord, every breath that we draw, it's a gift from you and a precious gift it is. But we thank you most of all this morning for your son, Jesus. Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life, have that life eternally and abundantly. God, let us not take that for granted. Let us treasure that for the gift that it is. Let us remember as we are entering into this and going into this or into this Christmas season, getting ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus next Sunday. God, let us not forget the reason that we celebrate and what it is that we're celebrating. Let us not forget so soon how precious the gift is that you've given. Lord, my prayer as we go forward this morning is that you would... Impress yourself upon the hearts of each and every one that is here. Lord, my prayer is, is that you would move in a mighty way. God, that, you, that your presence, your spirit would be felt. God, that you'd touch the hearts and the souls and the minds of each one that is here this morning. God, my prayer is, is that you'd move in a mighty way and do what only you can do here this morning. And we'll give you all the glory for it. Lord, if there's any here that doesn't know you, any that are lost and undone, any that's come for the wrong reasons, any, any that's just not sure where they stand with you, Lord, let today be the day that they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. Lord, that's the most important thing in this life is our walk with you, our relationship with you. Do we have one? Are we walking with you? Or are we doing our own thing, going our own way? Lord, have your way and your will. And Lord, let, let me ask for myself, I need, I need your help. I got nothing to say lest you give it to me. I can't preach unless uh, unless you empower me with your Holy Spirit. So Lord, that's what I'm asking. I'm asking for your holy unction, for your anointing. Lord, for the filling of your Spirit. God, that you clear my mind of everything but your message, your word, your thoughts. Place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to say this morning. Lord, I want everyone to know that you've spoken to them this morning that they've heard a word from heaven, and it's been, through my, it's been from you through my spirit to their spirit, but, it's from, but they have heard from you. So, Lord, have your way and your will in our midst, and we'll give you all the glory. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. I ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Let me read this verse again. I like it. I, I like it a lot. Uh, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Right? Without controversy, without doubt, great is this mystery of godliness that has now been revealed to us. And it goes on and says, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. You know, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 11 tells us that Jesus is the express Image of God. Colossians uh, chapter 1 and verse 15 talks about the Son, talking about Jesus, (coughs) excuse me, who is the image of the invisible God. Without doubt, God appearing in the flesh is the greatest event in all of history. Listen to me. Without doubt, no question, without controversy, the greatest event in all of history is God being manifest in the flesh, right? The birth of Jesus Christ. That is the greatest event. Now, I don't mean, don't misunderstand me. I don't mean to take anything away from Easter and the resurrection. I don't mean to downplay it. I don't mean to take anything away from it. But I want you to have everything in its proper perspective. The resurrection is the infallible proof of the birth of the Messiah. It is the infallible proof, right? The, the, the will not fail proof that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, right? It is the absolute infallible proof that He is the Messiah, the one the prophets of old spoke of, the one born King of the Jews. And see, the resurrection confirms that. The resurrection confirms that the birth was for real. The resurrection of Christ, which is by many infallible proofs, it says in um, Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, right? It is the proof that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was authentic. Right, that all the prophecies of the Old Testament are fulfilled in this Jesus of Nazareth. So hear me, so that we have our perspective right on this. The birth of Jesus, the birth that we're getting ready to celebrate one week from today, that the children spoke of and and taught us about this morning, the birth is the event, the resurrection is, is the undeniable proof of the reality of the event. Do you see what I'm saying? The birth is the event, the resurrection is the undeniable proof. Of that event, that Jesus is the Son of God, that God is uh, manifest in the flesh, right? That Jesus is the express image of God, right? That That Jesus is the Son of God who is the image of the invisible God. The resurrection is the confirmation, but the birth is the event. That's where we come up with our word, Advent. Right? Maybe you've heard that before. Advent. Right? Advent, if you look up Advent in the dictionary, right? If you just get on your phone use the dictionary uh, that's on there and you look up the word Advent, it means the arrival of something or someone notable. Right? Just generically. The word Advent means the arrival of something or someone notable, of note. The birth of Jesus is the advent. Right? Greatest advent ever. He is the advent. And and, in Christianity, when we're talking about Christianity, that's the first advent. He is the advent. So the birth of Jesus is the advent. And when Jesus comes back, that will be the second advent. So the first advent is the birth of Christ. The second advent is still in the future, and that is the return of Christ. The first coming Right. What I'm trying to say here is the first coming is the central most point in all of history. Think, just reason this out with me for a minute. Think about all this for a minute. Our forefathers, right, the ones that went before us, they understood this. Just look at how we keep track of our years. Right, right now, this is the year 2022 A.D. Now, I was taught as a child to remember B.C. and A.D. this way. I was taught B.C. meant before Christ, A.D. meant after death, right? Actually meaning after the crucifixion of Jesus. If you actually look it up, um, actually B.C. does stand for, that's literally what they intended, that's what it stands for, before Christ. But A.D. actually stands for um, a Latin phrase, uh, it's Anno uh, Domini which means in the year of our Lord. The purpose of this B.C., right? You've heard, you know, you know, 700 B.C. or 500 B.C. or what we have now, like this year is 2022 A.D. The purpose of this B.C. A.D. dating system is to make the birth of Jesus Christ the dividing point of world history. Have you ever thought about that? That's where it hinges. That's where you go B.C. or you go A.D. That's where you go before Christ or in the year of our Lord. Now, it, it, it's funny to me. In one hand, it kind of aggravates me. On the other hand, it kind of makes me laugh. But there's been a movement in recent years to change B.C. and A.D. to change them to B.C.E. and C.E. BCE standing for before the common air and CE standing for common air. But the thing that that aggravates me that they want to change that, but it makes me laugh because they're really not changing anything because the very thing that divides it between BCE and CE is still the birth of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They can try to take him out, but they ain't going to. Listen to me. Time is a created thing that God created in the beginning. It is a definite thing. It has a beginning. Go back to Genesis chapter 1, you can read about it. It has a middle, and it has an ending. <laughs> Right? The middle, the center of it, right? That is the birth of Christ. That is the center. That's what everything is looking towards, right? Before everything is looking forward to it, after everything is looking back to it. And it has an end. (laughs) That's that second advent. Listen to me. The greatest event in all of history, I mean, is the birth of Christ. And the only thing, right? Because remember, the birth is the event. The resurrection is the proof, the infallible proof. That's the word scripture uses. It is the infallible proof. The birth of Christ is the greatest event in all of history to date. The only thing in all of history that is greater or that will be greater than the birth of Jesus will be the return of of Jesus the second advent when he comes back I mean stop and think about it for a second we are literally counting the years until his second coming 2022 and counting until Jesus comes back hallelujah and when he arrives that's the end of history brother that's when it's all over hallelujah he will stop time He will time will be no more glory to God the eastern sky will split he'll step out in glory He'll call our name if your name is written in the last book of life. Glory to God, the trumpet, of, uh, the trumpet of God will blow. That old archangel will open his mouth. Hallelujah, all them graves will bust open. The saints of all ages will come a-shouting out of them. We'll be right behind them. Hallelujah. That, my friends, is the greatest event in all of history. That's something worth getting excited about. That's something worth shouting about. That's what we're counting down to. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise Him. Hey, we got something to be excited about. We got something to celebrate. We've got something to remember. So here we are. Looking at the greatest event in all of history. Counting down to the only thing that will be greater than that. So, here's what I want to say to you, and I know it's time for me to stop. is I want you to keep in mind this Christmas that you're not celebrating family. We get together with family. And we have a good time with family. And we love our family and we enjoy our family. But we are not celebrating family. When when you hear somebody say that, they're wrong. Period. We're not celebrating family. You hear people talk about Christmas is about a giving spirit. As Christians, we should have a giving spirit. And man, Christmas is a good time to show how thankful for you, that we are and to be very generous and very giving. But that's not what we're celebrating. We're not celebrating family. We are not celebrating a giving spirit, or anything else like that. You see, what we are celebrating is the greatest event in all of history to date. When God himself humbled himself and took upon himself the form of a servant and was born in a stable with a manger for a crib. I I know I need to quit, but let me read to you one last set of verses. Um, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. I just want you to hear this and and, and think think about the birth of Christ. Think about what, I mean, this is the image of the invisible God. This is God manifesting the flesh. Think about what it is he done. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, "...let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This passage of Scripture speaks of both his first coming, that first advent, and his second coming, the one that we're counting the years to, the second advent. And it alludes to the differences in the nature of those events. You see, the first time he came, he came very humbly. I mentioned born in a stable a minute ago, and if you want to know more about that, come to our Bible study on Wednesday night. We've been talking about that. The point, is, the point of all that is, is he wasn't born in the best room they had to offer. He was born in the worst. Very humbly. But the second time that he, that he will come, that he comes, he will come gloriously. The first time, he came as a baby in a manger. The second time, he will come as, a, as king of kings and lord of lords. The first time that he came, very few noticed, right? There's a few shepherds that the angels told about that come and saw him. There's the wise men that talked, the kids talked about here this morning that come later and saw him. But, but for most of the world, it went completely unnoticed. The first time he came, few noticed. But the second time that he, come, that he comes, when he comes back, every eye shall see him. Hallelujah. The first time that he came, as you go through and read all of the the, the Gospels, you'll see, the first time that he came, few actually acknowledged him as king. But the second time, when he comes back, everyone will acknowledge him as king. That's why every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father. So as Jennifer comes for a song of invitation, let me leave you with this. The only question that's left to be answered is when will you recognize that the king has come? When will you acknowledge him as king? Now, while there is still time, or later, when it's too late? That is the question that you've got to ask yourself. And that is the question that every one of us must answer. When will you acknowledge him? When will you give him his proper due? When will you acknowledge him as King and as Lord? Will you do it now? Right? I I would say the same is still true. Few. Few notice, few accept. But there's coming a day when everyone will acknowledge. Everyone will realize. So when will you? Will you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning. Spirit of God dealing with you. If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come this morning? Uh, God dealing with your heart about something, something you need to pray about, come on. Uh, Maybe, maybe, Holy Spirit's been speaking to you this morning, been dealing with your heart. Maybe you know you're not where you ought to be. Listen to me. You'll find no better time than if you'll come and acknowledge Him now and confess Him as Lord and Savior. Listen to me. You want to have the greatest Christmas that you've ever had? Well, listen to me. The first one acknowledging Him and recognizing what it is that we're celebrating, it don't get no better than that. So if God is dealing with you, the Holy Spirit is drawing you, would you come this morning? Would you come?